Hey, good evening, Top Fans. It's Bill from Top Fan Rivalry coming to you with, it's Thursday night. So who am I going to be with? Mystery guest, who are you? I mean, I mean, I mean, it might be a mystery guest or it might just be Jackson again. It might just be Jackson again. It's the weekly review. It's Thursday night. We got to go through the, the week. What's happened in Major League Baseball? Everything that's that's happening, what's good, what's bad, um, and so obviously we will do uh, we'll do a little bit of uh, telling you a little bit about Top Fan as a company um, at the end. But Jackson, lead us off. What you got for this week? I mean, I know you talked about it a lot last night on a couple of lives, but the passing of the great Vince Scully. Um, you know, growing up in Southern California, he he's pretty near and dear. To my heart, even being, you know, the longtime Dodgers announcer, um, you know, he's, he's what made baseball iconic. You know, when you flip through the channels on TV as a kid, turn on the Dodgers game just to listen to Vin Scully. Um, you know, he was, he's one of the greats. Everyone respects him and, then, you know, we'll miss him. Yeah. Yeah. I've been telling everybody on any live that I've done or, or Bill's Corner today, I said, out of respect for Vinny, when you've got some free time this weekend, watch for love of the game because he's the announcer in that. And he's got that, that great line about Kevin Costner's character, Billy Chapel, after he throws the perfect game, he says the cathedral that is Yankee stadium belongs to a chapel. <laughs> right. And so you got to love it, but yes, hats off and respect to Vinny to his wife, to his kids. It's a, it's a tremendous loss for not only the sport, but for the broadcasting community overall. Well, it's we got to lead off with that. I'm I'm going to lead off with one Jackson. Now that that you said Vinny, um, that is not going to sit well with you, um, but it's not it's not purposeful. Um, Jacob Degrom makes his uh, reappearance um, this week. He looked good. He was thrown over 100 mile an hour um, in Washington. Uh, did not get the win. Uh, they kept him on a on a small pitch count. In fact, they lost that game, but. He only gave up one run. Uh, he looked, he was dominating both sides of the corner. Um, I, you know, it, as much as I would hate to say this, if this were a giant, right, being a Dodger fan and you being a Braves fan, I know that it hurts for the Mets, but it's good for baseball when you're competing against teams' best players. It's not awesome when you're competing against five of their rookies because everybody else is on the IL, right? I mean, yeah. I, I found it ironic. I was actually talking to one of my coworkers at work. I was like, Jacob DeGrom will come back and pitch fantastic, and the Mets won't score more than one run for him. And, you know, I was joking, but it, the Mets need to get this man some run support. It's ridiculous at this point. It is. I mean, and, and be honest, would you rather Would you rather at this point in, in the season, would you rather be trying to face DeGrom and Scherzer facing the best that the Mets have or a couple of guys that they brought up to do spot starts because those guys are on the IL. I mean, since the Braves play the Mets a bunch of times, I mean, the homer in me says, you know, I'll take the spot start guys just to steal a couple <laughs> wins here and there. But no, it, it's good when the team's best players, especially come playoff time. It's a playoff baseball is entertaining when it's a close game. Yes. Teams have a fundamental baseball. Nobody likes to watch a game, you know, where a team hits like three home runs and they're up all game, you know, by six runs. Yeah, I, I mean, nobody likes to watch the Angels get seven solo home runs and still lose the game 8-7 today, right? Yeah. <laughs> chirp, I mean, chirp. Oh, 
Did I say that out loud, Jackson? Oh, my bad. Sorry, Angel fans, but you kind of know where you're at, right? So. I mean, I, I have some thoughts on the Angels trade deadline. Okay, hey, well, mean, you're up. What's number two? To my next point. Uh, the winners and losers of the trade deadline. Uh, to me, the two biggest losers, or well, three biggest losers are the Angels for not trading Shohei Otani to reload and then making some other questionable moves, not really bolstering anything. I mean, they, they got a catching prospect. That's probably the best best trade they made uh, all deadline. Uh, I'm going to say the St. Louis Cardinals are losers. And really? Be out this one. Uh, Go. Val- valuing Dylan Carlson over Juan Soto when they're down in the division. You know, when a guy like Soto's on the table – you know, you look at a, and I kind of peeked into the St. Louis Cardinals community to kind of pick their brain. And the, the general consensus is, you know, they're holding on to these prospects and they hold on to these prospects all the time, you know, and maybe one out of five pans out. And I'm, I'm writing an article, no spoiler, maybe a slight spoiler, but it, it might always be better to move unproven talent for proven talent. You know, and I think the Cardinals really missed out on an opportunity to, to catch the Brewers who kind of, you know, did a little bit of flip-flopping of their own trading Josh Hader, but that's for a whole different discussion. But the Cardinals lost out on an opportunity, you know, to acquire a really good player, mm-hmm. you know, make themselves better, they position did. themselves for the postseason. You and know, then, and it's uh, – go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, yeah go ahead. And, go, go, go. Oh, I was going to say, then the Chicago White Sox are losers for basically doing nothing. Doing nothing, exactly. And if you talk to Dave, he'll tell you that. He's been all over social media just lighting these guys up. But I, I will say this. So here, and I agree with you, Jackson. Um, one thing that we learned from the trade deadline is they've shifted from professional athletes that are proven talents to prospects. And so it's going to make teams draft better and develop farm systems, which is great. Um, the Juan Soto deal and Josh Bell going over, um, I think that was – if the Padres can win a World Series in the two years that they have club control over Juan Soto, because remember, he's got arbitration this winter, and then he's still under club control for another two seasons. So if they can win a World Series with him there, makes all the sense in the world. If they can't, then they just gave up a boatload of people um, for a guy that was a two-year rental, A, and B, that you're never going to be able to resign because – how are you going to hold Musgrove's million-dollar contract, Machado's contract, Tatis's contract, whatever you're going to have to offer Blake Snell, and now Juan Soto's contract, and still be competitive? You're not going to – those are – if you have those big contracts like that, you're not going to have anything else. You're not going to be able to afford anybody else. Yeah. So you better darn hope that Fernando Tatis stays away from an ATV in the offseason and that Manny Machado doesn't get hurt. Um, and then Musgrove stays on his game. I bad move. I I know that 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 Padre fans are excited about it, but I it's a two year rental is what it is. I mean, and my my whole philosophy is you know the the big the the, the centerpiece prospects they got up these some of these top prospects are still in A ball. Mm-hmm. So I mean, at the end of the day, we can look at it. Even if the Padres just make a World Series appearance and those prospects don't pan out, they won the trade. But, you know, only time will tell. And, it, I mean, I'm all four teams going all in. Yep. Baseball is more exciting when teams actually want to win. Nobody wants to watch the Oakland A's and whatever 
<laughs> the Angels are throwing out nowadays. Teams like that. Nobody wants a, the Washington Nationals AAA affiliate. No one wants to go see that. But, you know, I will give the Nationals props, though, for realizing, you know, they're not going to re-sign their best player, Hall of Fame talent, probably, if he stays healthy. And, you know, in, in reloading, they set themselves up nicely for the future. They'll be good three or four years. To your point, it's all about drafting and developing. It's also about scouting prospects and making good trades. Right. So I think what really highlighted the trade deadline, I think, you know, you saw what teams, you know, really wanted to go for it and win. Uh, I think a lot of the contenders made a lot of really good moves. The Dodgers and the Mets. The Braves made some good moves. The Phillies made some good moves. So, you know, it'll be exciting to watch baseball down the stretch because, you know, these teams are they're going for it. Yep, they're going for it. It's a great way to put it. All right, you ready for my number two? I am. This one might sting a little bit too, but um, Freddie Freeman and Trey Turner are destroying the ball right now. They can't just seem to do anything wrong. So I looked up the stats before we jumped on. They had, by the way, uh, Trey Turner, the reason why I mentioned this is Trey Turner had a 20-game hit streak snapped last night. Currently in the MLB, not in the National League, in the MLB, Freddie Freeman has 133 hits and Trey Turner has 130. Um, both of those guys, and if you're a Dodger fan or if you watch Dodger games as, a, as an opponent, there's a pretty decent chance in the first inning you're down one nothing. If Mookie gets on, Trey's going to move him over or knock him in. If Trey gets on, Freddie's doing something, and Will Smith's right behind him. So those two guys have had heck of a weeks. They've been destroying the ball. They're looking at the right pitches. Freddie, I still – I love it from a Dodger perspective. I love this, but I still don't understand this. Why are you shifting on Freddie Freeman when 40% of his balls are hit opposite field? Yeah, doesn't make I, sense to me. I mean, and it's – you know, the, the book on him is up and in and up and away. Seems to be like his, his weakness, per se. But, you know, you go up and away and you're shifting. He's just going to flick it in the left field and <laughs> he has an easy double. Yeah. He's yeah. And, he, and, he, and he's making it look easy. And so is Trey Turner, right? And um, Trey Turner had a, a deep center home run today, uh, the Dodger Giant game today. Uh, and Mookie Betts had three-run home run. But – Trey and Freddie are just, and they're having fun. And that's, that's what I like to see. I mean, Bryce Harper was having fun before he got hurt. He'd get into the dugout after a hit and he'd be excited. Um, Ronald Acuna plays that way. Austin Riley has been playing that way. Um, a lot of guys, you know, just have fun and they look like they're having fun. And these guys, between the both of them, they got 163 hits. Both of them are on pace to have 200 hits for the season. That's not bad. That's not bad. Good. So, Jackson, what do you got, number three? Number three. I mean, it, it was pretty tough kind of just going through everything, um, you know, analyzing, breaking it down. Mm -hmm. I think something big is – I mentioned trade deadline. I didn't mention a, a winner. But I think how about those – speaking of teams going in, how about those Minnesota Twins and Seattle Mariners? You got to like it to, you know, traditionally small market teams um, kind of going in, you know, using that prospect cap capital from drafting well and making good trades. Um, and I think the Mariners come postseason could be a very dangerous team, especially if Jesse Winker looks more like Cincinnati Jesse Winker, but a guy like Julio Rodriguez in your lineup. And then now you got a rotation anchored by Luis Castillo. I mean, I think the Mariners could be a dangerous team in the postseason. 
I don't, you know, it, the division race is over. The Astros have won the West, but you know, it's all, it's all about the wild card. And like I said, it's, it's about going all in and you just got to make the dance, you know, yep. especially nowadays. I, and I have probably an unpopular opinion that, you know, with this new expanded playoff format, I think playing three game, like a best of three, and then heading in and playing the teams that have a bye might give you a slight advantage, despite you not having your best pitcher starting. Agreed. Agreed. I. It's going to keep you in rhythm. It, it's competitive games that keep your edge. Whereas, you know, the other teams are going to have to sit around for three days. So I think the teams that have to, to fight and claw their way to the wild card are going to be very dangerous. Well, you look at the Yankees, you look at the Astros, you look at the Dodgers. All three of those teams, for the most part, have a lock on their division, right? Now, the Dodgers and, and Padres play, I want to say, 10 more times this season. Yeah, it's and the like Dodgers are times or something ridiculous. Yeah, and the Dodgers are only up 12 and a half games on them. And I say only because they're what happens if the Padres sweep all those series, right? So or you win, win nine of 12, you know, all of a sudden yeah. it's, it's, it's a race. So, um, but historically speaking, at the beginning of August, 12 and a half is usually enough. Um, and so you look at the Dodgers, you look at the Astros, you look at the, to your point, the Yankees, all these teams are going to kind of coast into the playoffs come mid-September, you know, with the 40-man call-ups and things like that. Just coast and just have a good time, right? And then come playoffs, they got to turn it back on. And you as a Braves fan, no, it's not about, it's about getting to the playoffs first, and then that's a whole different race, right? I mean, you guys proved that last year. Yeah. Right? I mean, and well, a lot of people, it's baseball and hockey are similar in the sense that playoffs are very, very different than regular season. Teams will be a lot looser and play a lot looser and be, you know, be more forgiving to their starting pitching in the, in the regular season. But come playoff time, you know, these teams have all these – these arms stacked up in the bullpen. They're not afraid to use them. They're not afraid to use them one, two, three days in a row. I think, you know, it's good that the Twins and the Mariners kind of loaded up. I like that. It'll, again, entertaining baseball is what I'm here for. I'm all about good good playoff baseball. And I, I, I like that the league is balanced. You know, there's more, there's more good teams than mediocre and bad teams. Mm-hmm. I yes. feel. Even though it is kind of top-heavy, there's like the, the big six, you know, at the top. Well, you, listen, you're part of that. I mean, you're only three games out of, of the division. Yeah, so. but even then, the, the separation between, like, you know, the big six, I don't feel like in a playoff vacuum, the separation between the top six teams in the MLB and the teams that are just good is that big. I think a lot of these teams that are just good could, you know, in a playoff, in a playoff vacuum have good enough teams. You know, I think the Phillies are a dangerous, really, really dangerous team with that starting rotation. You know, adding Noah Syndergaard to Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, like, come on, mm-hmm. that, that's a deadly trio. So it's like, again, I know I talked about the trade deadline twice <laughs> out of two things, but it was kind of like a big deal this last week to kind of sit here and look at, you know, um, how the, the landscapes changed. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. just going to be a lot of in, entertaining baseball, you know, I'm at, home, I'm at home by myself this weekend. I got, the Braves play doubleheader against the Mets on Saturday. I'll probably tune into the Dodgers Padres game because there's a three game series that starts tomorrow. Probably I'm, I'm pretty confident you'll be watching for love of the game this weekend at some point too. Yeah, I mean, gotta <laughs> watch, gotta watch all that baseball, you know. Yeah, there you go. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off your comment about Seattle, and I'm gonna talk about for my last pick, and then we can go into one or two honorable mentions because there's one that 
I, I think needs to be mentioned. Um, but wild card races. Okay. If you would have told me that Seattle was going to be the number two wild card team starting August, um, and that Baltimore was only going to be a game and a half out of that, they were going to be three games over 500. Uh, if you were going to tell me that Philly was going to be the wild card team instead of the division leader, um, and that you got the Cardinals there, the Giants haven't done themselves any favors lately, but you got a lot of good races left and a lot of sneaky teams. And, and I was talking to an Orioles fan this morning on the phone and I said, how do you feel? And he says, ecstatic. And I told him, I look at obviously the Dodgers score, but I look at the Orioles score. It's actually kind of fun. They get rid of Trey Mancini, but yet they're still winning. And nobody in that division ever thought Baltimore would be three games over 500 starting August and be ready to go into a wild card spot. I mean, Baltimore could easily take that third wild card spot. It's to me, that's, that's awesome. It's awesome when you have teams that don't expect to get there and they get there. Right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, as an honorable mention, kind of pig, piggybacking off that Baltimore has been good because their young core starting to come up and form. Adelie Rushman looks like a, a finished product at the MLB level. You know, he was kind of held back. You know, a lot of people thought he'd come up last year, but the extra year developed seems to have helped him. He has 51 hits this season. 22 of them are doubles. Mm-hmm. He's got a triple mm-hmm. and five home runs. So, I mean, that's like he's a leader. You know, you watch the all the Baltimore games I've kind of popped in on. You know, he's always there. He's get he's getting emotional with his pitchers. Every every time he calls timeout and, like, talks to the pitcher on the mound, he seems to be really invested. He's a student of the game. You know, he, he has a lot of emotion. He gets excited when his pitcher gets a strikeout. And yeah. I, I just love the direction baseball has. There's a lot of really good young players, and it's just fun, fun to watch. Agreed. You know, as an Atlanta Braves fan, I love watching Spencer Strider pitch. Even though he wears those tight Walker Bueller-style pants and has a goofy mustache, I think it's – it's a ton of fun to just watch him go out there and, you know, blow guys away with a hundred mile an hour fast, but it looks like you're watching a dude from like the eighties or nineties, just power pitching away mm-hmm. and Agreed. You know, having fun and ba- baseball feels fun again. Agreed. Agreed. I, uh, my honorable mention is, is going to be one of, of a little bit of sadness. We're going to talk about two hall of famers who arguably one is probably at the end of his career within the next two seasons. The other one got some really bad news this week um, and very well could have his career shortened. Um, and that's Mike Trout and uh, Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw had to come out today with lower back pain. He consistently is having the same back pain issues. Um, you know, it, Trout gets a lot of heat for being the guy that's always on the IL, especially down here right now, Jackson. I mean, people are talking about it going, hey, this guy barely played last year. And then, you know, the year before he sprained his thumb and he barely played whatever, like his issues. Well, this rare back condition that he has, that's not something that he can control. Unfortunately for the Angels, they signed him to a long-term deal for a lot of money. And there's not going to be very many teams that are going to want to pay a guy who will be lucky to probably play 125 games a season. $37 $37 million. So the angels are going to eat that contract. The Dodgers need to seriously have conversations with Clayton to see. Now I hope that he doesn't go on the IL. I really don't, but um, 
my concern with Clayton is that, and again, for those of you listening, I, I bleed blue. I'm not saying I want to get rid of Clayton, but um, he's got to be realistic, right? The, the guy, you know, has young kids. He wants to be able to walk and be able to do things with his kids after his career is over. And so we may see Clayton Kershaw in a very limited capacity in the, the rest of the season. And if he decides to come back for the next season, the next season, it, we won't see more than 20, 25 starts from him. He's not the pitcher that that he was in in 2012, 2013, 2014. And it's sad because both of those guys are are first ballot. Well, I I can argue they're both first ballot Hall of Famers. Some may say that Trout may not be. He may not have the numbers for first ballot, although I'd, I mean, I'd say, what are you looking for? Right. You know. Do a home run every at bat or something? Uh, exactly. But – I um so for me the honorable mention is just the sadness of of probably seeing less and less of two very good talents. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that, and it's it's a bummer because you know, growing up all through like high school, which is when I really kind of like really got back into baseball and started following baseball more closely. It's like guys like Clayton Kershaw. I mean, Buster Posey retired this last off season. He he was a big star. I mean, we're seeing Miguel Cabrera kind of. Taper off, Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, you know, Yo, Albert. Yeah, Albert Pujols. It, it, it's sad to see all these, you know, veteran players go. But like I mentioned earlier, it, it's good that there's a good young generation coming up that, yeah. that we, you know, that, it, that makes baseball fun. It makes baseball worth watching. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I feel bad for Clayton Kershaw because, you know, his back probably hurts from carrying the Dodgers all those years when they weren't very. <laughs> but, you know, it, love yeah, it. Love it. And I mean, the Dodgers have the depth. They might need to step back and look. You know, do you, do you run a six-man rotation for the rest of the season with as big of a lead you have, just mm-hmm. to make sure everyone stays sharp and to keep Kershaw healthy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, that's been a discussion on the live before because Tony G has had uh, he had a bad All Star appearance, but he's had two relatively bad back to back after the All Star game appearances. And so, do you step into a six-man rotation and give him a little bit of break? I mean. Dustin May will be back mid-August. Um, uh, Walker Beeler will be back soon. you, you got to give these guys some innings. Now, Dustin May won't come back and, and pitch eight innings of ball. He'll he'll be on a pitch count. He'll pitch three innings. But, you know, could Andrew Heaney start a game, pitch four or five innings, and then Dustin May come in and pitch three or four? Sure, why not? Right? And so – And that, that's a great point, you know. And the Dodgers are one of those teams – there's a several teams in the MLB getting players back from injury. And it's how do, how do you balance getting your guys back from injury with all the guys you just acquired? You know, and, it, and it's really tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't envy GMs having to make that decision. Me neither. There's also a, a, a person aspect to it. You know, you're as a general manager, you interact with these guys every day. Like, and I don't want to say like they're friends because they have like a professional relationship, but like sometimes they are friends and it, it's tough to tell your, your friend, you know, Hey, I need you to like, sit down or we're going to try and step aside. But yeah, Yeah. I think the Dodgers rocking a six man rotation with those guys coming back could be good to get them innings. Also kind of limit the innings because some of those guys are going to be a little rusty coming back. Well, you also have the 40 man roster in September. So you've got some guys uh, that could use it. Yeah. I believe that got shrunk. It's like a, like a 30 man roster now. Yeah. I'm sorry. 30 man. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, well, top fans, this is our best that we got for this week. Jackson, did we miss anything? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, 
Did David Ortiz get into the Hall of Fame this week or last week? Did we not mention that? Oh, yeah. Big Poppy was in the week before, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry I missed you, Big Poppy. We love you. You know, you're iconic. Mm -hmm. My, my favorite part was when he was thanking everybody in English and Spanish, and he thanked um, Terry Francona. And he says, Tino, Poppy got you. Poppy got you. Call me anytime. Poppy got you. Yeah, he, he's great. I, I love it when he does uh, – they have him on baseball broadcasts on, like, MLB Network and stuff. Um, I won't mention the, the players behind him, but there were a lot of old-time players, 60s, 70s, 80s classes, that were just looking at Poppy like, this is the guy that we just let in? Yeah, I mean, again, and I, I like that the, the generation that's leaving is also, you know, they've left their mark and they're, they're passing the baton off. David Ortiz, I, I think, ended up being a great ambassador for the game. Lo love or hate the Red Sox, you know, Big Poppy is like one of the most iconic players of the 2000s, 2010s. Um, yep, yep, so, yeah. agreed. Congratulations on your retirement and your Hall of Fame induction. I, I will just never forget the the new era commercial where the guy wears the Red Sox hat in the airport. All the people are like, Big Poppy, Big Poppy. You know Big Poppy. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. There was, I love that uh, ESPN commercial where they're going through the offices and um, everybody's like, you know, doing whatever they do. Nomar's there and he's pulling on his gloves and everything like that. And Poppy spits into both hands of his gloves, puts it together and tries to shake somebody's hand. <laughs> I mean, good. I just remembered another... We're rambling on at the end here, but just to bring up another commercial for you top fans to look up on YouTube, there's the one where he's teaching, uh, I believe it's Derek Jeter or A-Rod, how to break his hat in. He puts yeah. the Yankees hat on in the Red Sox mascot season. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Well, top fans, Jackson and I give you our best for this week. Um, go on to the site, check out. There's a new article up um, about underrated Hall of Famers. There's a new article up about Cookie Rojas. There will be an article in the locker room. So if you don't have locker room access, get it. There's going to be an article about uh, trade deadline winners and losers. Jackson tipped his hat that he's got one coming. We've also got one on Vince Scully coming. Check out the merchandise. Check out the hats, the shirts. You can bundle them up. Um, there's going to be some some other things coming out here pretty quick. Um, but Jackson, if they're going to – do they pay full price for stuff? Is that, does that make sense or no? No, nah, they don't pay full price if they use Code Jackson. They use Code Jackson. Boom. Not, guys. Come on. There you go. There you go. Hey, Jackson, we've had fun tonight. Let's do it again. Yeah, next week? Same time, same place. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.